Welcome to 2020, and we'd like to thank you for joining us here for a brand new year for the I Am Vinyl podcast here at cnjradio.com, or if you're a subscriber via Apple Podcasts, or tuning in on Spotify. My name is Pete LaRussa, and today's episode is going to be following up part one of our KISS Roundtable discussion, which was episode five, released back on September 7th, 2019, in which we covered the self-titled debut album, Hotter Than Hell, Dressed to Kill, and Alive. And this episode today, which is part two, is going to be covering the albums Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, and Alive 2. And similar to part one, I'm going to be joined by the same panel of guests that I had, my friends Joe Malazzo, Ron Valdez, and Mike Scandato. And just a quick programming note before we get to the discussion. We recorded this commentary back on Monday, January 6, 2020, and a couple of days ago, as I'm recording this, we found out on Friday, January 10, 2020, that Rush's drummer Neil Peart had passed away on Tuesday, January 7, 2020. Now, as longstanding KISS and Rush fans know, KISS and Rush had toured together at various points between 1974 and 1976. So with that said, I want to dedicate this episode to the memory of Neil Peart, and I'm going to skip my next idea for an episode, which was going to be another random set of 25 songs in favor of doing an all-Rush Neil Peart tribute show. I'll be playing a bunch of my favorite tracks throughout my entire Rush final collection, and I'll just go into some personal thoughts about Neil Peart and Rush and what their music has meant to me throughout my life and as an aspiring drummer in the early 80s. I'm sure many fans like me were shocked and devastated to hear of the news of his passing as it wasn't even known that he had been sick over the last three and a half years or so. So putting this show together over the last two days and revisiting this commentary with Joe, Ron, and Mike definitely cheered me up a whole lot personally. And so with that, let's get to part two of our KISS Roundtable discussion covering Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, and Alive 2. So enjoy the discussion, everyone, and I'll be back at the end to wrap up the show. Welcome to part two of the I Am Vinyl KISS Roundtable discussion. I have the same panel as the first one. To my left, Mr. Joe Malazzo. Hello. Dead center of me, Mr. Ron Valdez. Wubba wubba. And to my right, a man who's going to have to top his infamous prison at 65 is got to be rough, Mr. Michael Scandato. What's up, everybody? And so we are here to discuss Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, and Alive 2. So let's get started with Destroyer, released on March 15th, 1976, recorded at Electric Lady and Record Plant Studios in New York City between September of 1975 through February of 1976, the first of three full-length LPs to be produced by Bob Ezrin. The singles released, Shout It Out Loud, released on March 1st, 1976, peaking at number 31 on Billboard's Hot 100. Flaming Youth, released on April 30th, 1976, and peaked at number 74 on Billboard's Hot 100. And then Detroit Rock City, a terribly edited single mix, released 
July 28, 1976, which did not chart, and infamously had Beth as the B-side, which, according to Paul Stanley, was thought to have been a throwaway track. And then, speaking of which, Beth was then released as a single, with Detroit Rock City as the B-side once radio stations began flipping over the single for Detroit Rock City in favor of playing Beth instead, which was released in August of 1976 and became Kiss's first top 10 hit single, peaking at number 7 on Billboard's Hot 100. The album cover and inner sleeve was done by Dennis Wallach, who they'd worked with multiple times again through 1987's Crazy Nights album, with the album cover being painted by Ken Kelly. The album is currently certified as double platinum, and it peaked on Billboard's Top 200 album chart at number 11. And following the success of Alive, Kiss had hoped to capitalize even further by agreeing to work with proven hitmaker, producer, Bob Ezrin, following his successful string of albums with Alice Cooper. However, the album initially did not take off in sales, and was highly panned by Kiss fans who had been supporting the band from the very beginning and through Alive, who were none too pleased with Bob Ezrin's more polished production and a song like Beth featuring string arrangements, piano, and a flute ending up on a Kiss album. And crazy enough, Kiss had already begun trying to win back some disgruntled fans with a straight-up rock and roll album who were not pleased with Destroyer and began writing and recording sessions for Rock and Roll Over while Beth was building up to a successful run on radio and on the Billboard charts. And as for the recording of Beth, it's been noted that Bob Ezrin literally had to ask the rest of the band to leave the studio in order for Peter Chris to record his vocal takes for the song, as they were poking fun at Peter during his initial attempts to lay down his vocal tracks. Hmm. This album would also be the first time an original member of the band was replaced during recording sessions, as Ace Frehley had infamously decided that a card game was a little more important than being at the studio. God, that makes me love him more. (laughs) And with this, Bob Ezrin would bring in one of his ultimate go-to session players by the name of Dick Wagner to record some lead guitar parts on on the track Sweet Pain, Hmm. as Ezrin was not satisfied with what Ace Frehley had laid down on the track. Wagner had previously appeared on a few Alice Cooper records that Bob Ezrin had produced and as part of Alice Cooper's live touring band. Promotion for the album included Kiss's first major primetime TV appearance when they were guests on the Paul Lind Halloween special. Which I just recently watched. Oh, you did? Yes. It is pretty unbelievable. So cool. In which they performed mimed versions of Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, and Beth. And lastly, on August 21st, 2012, Bob Ezrin's complete remix of the album was released under the title of Destroyer Resurrected which would only peak at number 58 on Billboard's Top 200 Albums chart. Unfortunately for fans who pre-ordered the earliest pressings of the album, there was a mastering glitch at the very beginning of Flaming Youth on all CD and vinyl copies and on various digital platforms before the issue was corrected within a few months, with CDs being corrected quickly and receiving a replacement soon after on my end. I would actually end up with three glitched vinyl copies sent to me by Universal Music in an attempt to send me a corrected copy, with the fourth copy finally being 100% corrected. Hmm. Coupling these issues and the fact that this album did not sell particularly well, there's been no word on another Kiss album possibly being given the remix treatment at this time. Additionally, the original version of Sweet Pain, with Ace Frehley's original guitar solo, was restored and placed in the album's track sequence... Mm -hmm 
with Bob Ezrin commenting that he might have been wrong about Ace's original guitar solo at the time. Mm. CD versions would see a remixed version of Sweet Pain with Dick Wagner's lead guitar work as the bonus track, which closes the CD, while the vinyl would only feature the version with Ace Frehley's original guitar solo. And so... Very interesting facts. What I actually prepared while you guys were chatting before we started recording is to have you hear that very glitch and then the correction. So I want to hear it myself. Take a listen. So here's... Here's what it should sound like, and then it's going to be followed by the glitched version. Sounds like it's, it skips. It's missing a little. Yeah, it's missing. Section. It's missing like literally a half a second. So they re they repressed it. How many? Like, well, you got three or four copies of this. Wow. I got yeah. I got th- three. Is it glitch. worth anything? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Probably but not, I, they're right? they're sitting in a box in my bedroom and interesting. I, I Setting that upside down stamp. Uh, that's worth like eight million dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, what to me one of the most interesting facts that you brought up. Um, was the rejection by the fans for not being like a hard record because this album has some of their hardest songs on it. So that's kind of really strange. Like the fans rejected this back in the day? Yeah. For one song? I think there's a a few factors. I think, yeah, yeah, I think Beth was definitely a big factor. It was very polished. No, the recording, absolutely. But I don't know. I almost feel like... uh, I don't know. I'm with you. God of Thunder is on this record. God of Thunder... Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, are, and shout out loud to me are like banger songs. And you know absolutely. And absolutely. So it's like, it's weird concert. that initially it was like, hmm, you know, all because of Beth. Wow, crazy. Well, yeah, it's it's Beth and, you know, fans had issues with, what's a Calliope doing on a Kiss album? <laughs> like, who gives a shit? It's, yeah. you know, and, it's no love theme from Kiss. <laughs> and and <laughs> I, I'm seeing here Rolling Stone. Bloated ballads and pedestrian drumming and lackluster performances. What a bunch of scumbags Rolling Stone First of all, first of all, fuck that pedestrian drumming comment. Right? You try to play what Peter Chris played on Detroit Rock City. And then Robert Christigal, big critic from the Village Voice for many years, ate one of their least interesting records. Kisses. Really? Really? It's totally a case of, you know, looking more at the image than the music. And I think in the 70s, these artsy critics and people who are into more, you know, progressive music and music with meaning and blah blah saw Kiss as a fucking joke, and that and these reviews from the seventies, these mainstream reviews, approve positive of that. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Kiss was the big Kiss was the laughing stock. Right yeah, now. wow. You know, but so was Zeppelin, which is weird. It's really hard like, to believe. Like, they gave Zeppelin a hard time. Really, Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone never gave that. never gave Zeppelin a good review. I wow. think, right? Interesting. They never gave him a good review, from what I understand. Mm. It's just pure insanity. It, it is. is. It is. Like it, history is very. I think history kind to Kiss right now. You know, they got him in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think they have more respect now, obviously, than maybe say you know the late eighties or whatever. But I feel yeah. like um, people who like rock music, good rock music, 
like Kiss, or at least they like the first four records, or they like, you know what I'm saying? A, a they like the first six. They like yeah, the first right, six. first six, first exactly. Six, first six studio albums are like mm-hmm. perfect, almost. Yeah, you know. But it's so funny just to to see what the reaction was back then. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah, I think I think fans were even angry at, at a song like "Shout It Out Loud." It's you know, it's too poppy. You know, it's hmm. it's just it's just things. It like It is that. a little poppy, but it's again, it went on to be. The song that would, when it's played, people lose their mind. So you know. Right. The yeah. funny thing is about "Shout Out Loud" is I've I've listened to Bob Ezrin interviews, and he said that a lot of that song was inspired by a lot of the, the Motown stuff from hmm. from the '60s. Oh, it's it. I could see that yeah. actually. I could actually see that. After he mentioned that, I, and I listened to it again, I was like, now I hear it. I totally hear it. But it, it's kind of meant as a. A, another attempt at a rock, a rock, rock and roll night. night. Yes, yeah, yes. Along with, uh, I think, Tomorrow and Tonight, which will get yeah. to, is another attempt at trying to create this kind of... <clears throat> no question. They have anthem. soul. Those two songs in particular have a kind of like, you could picture, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire busting yeah, out a cover absolutely. of those two songs. You really could. Especially with the opinion. harmonies. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think eventually we will see like a full-fledged, you know, like R&B style yeah. version of that yeah. one, you know? Yeah, that'll be funny. Oh. Stanley Soul Station. Got it, yeah. So, all right, with that said, let's, um, let's get immediately into the favorite track yeah, let's on Destroyer it. and um, let's start with Mike. Okay, this wasn't easy at all, actually, for me. But it is Detroit Rock City. That is my favorite. Um, it is such a weird, mysterious song. I always thought it was such a... Like, I never, like... Like, I'd always hear it, and I'd listen to it, and I'd be like, what are they getting at? <laughs> like, especially when I was younger. Like, what the fuck is this song about, you know? And um, that, to me, adds to the charm of the song. Like, it's like, it's like this, like, it tells a story, right? Sure. And not many Kiss songs are like a, a good story, you know. Rock, Detroit Rock City is this weird, kooky story, right? Set to these fucking great riffs and great bass line and like the great ending, you know. Um, if I have a runner-up from this album, it's actually "Shout It Out Loud." That's my second favorite song, yeah. But uh, Detroit Rock City is my favorite song, yeah. All right, Ron. I'm gonna have to agree with Mike. Hmm. Detroit Rock City is just like. Uh, I don't know. It's so it, the first of all, the guitar solo in it is just yeah. yeah that's that's what I was going to mention. It might be my favorite Amazing. guitar solo of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I'm picking uh, that song. And he's right. It, the song tells like this weird story, like the first whatever three minutes is mm-hmm. like the truck driving mm-hmm. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, he hears the song playing on the radio, and it goes like because that's where the chorus is just a song that he's hearing on the radio, and the song is about him driving this car and mm-hmm. being high and you know drinking <laughs> and whatever. But um, that's that. I mean, and and like I said before, the guitar solo, it's untouchable. Uh, Ace was, even though he didn't write the guitar solo. I think Ezrin wrote that guitar Ezrin solo. Ezrin wrote that guitar solo. Ezrin said it should be done this way, and kudos to him because mm-hmm. it should have been done that way. And just like he changed his mind about the uh, Flaming Youth guitar solo, Ace also had... Sweet like, Pain. Uh, Sweet Pain, sorry. Ace also had his... Qualms with that solo, but then Ace came around and said, yeah, yeah, "Which is fucking amazing to think I mean, about." That, mm. that guitar solo is like just this, so perfect. Like what? that guitar solo launched a billion horrible guitar players <laughs> on, on, on earth. It did, uh, and also some great ones. I'm not going to uh, lie. And I, not for nothing, I was re-listening to this record 
on the way here and like for the past few days <clears throat> I've heard this record so many times that it's just like ingrained in me so like I don't like as a runner up I mean I hate to say this but I'm gonna say Sweet Pain is probably wow. my runner up because runner sure. that, that song is is very low key underrated song uh, and it's and it's a it's a ripper Gene it is a, Gene good, really, it is a good rock Gene song. really it's a good rock song. lets it loose on that song so I'm going to go with Detroit Rock City as the obvious choice because, I mean, it's just it's staple Kiss. It's what you're always going to hear from Kiss. It's a great concert intro mm. song. Like great first song. opening song. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Sweet Pain is that song you never hear anymore. Yeah. And when I hear I'm it, sure I'm like, know. you know what? This is a great fucking song. Like, every time I hear it, I'm like, this is a, it's a ripping fucking rock song. It's one of Gene's finer moments, I would say, on uh, the early Kiss albums. And, well, God of Thunder is also the staple, too. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's Gene's theme song, right? Written by Paul, originally mm. sung by Paul, the demo, right? Which is very Yes. Weird. The demo is very strange. Have, have you all heard the, the, the Paul Stanley demo I've version? Heard it, yeah, I've heard it no. several it's times. A complete, I mean, it's the same notes, but like ten times faster. Yeah. Oh, like really? Jazz okay, I'll jazz check it out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, let's do it. It's very it out. It's fun to listen to. Added Gene's kind of more demon persona. 16th notes on the hi-hat. Very, very, very mm. odd. Yeah, you should you should definitely check. I will. It's almost will. like an upbeat disco. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really weird. Exactly. I'm the lord of the wasteland. <laughs> man of steel. Man of steel. Like, really wow. weird. Because he's anything but a man of steel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of cool. That's but yeah, true. that's don't, Detroit Rock City. <laughs> a modern day man of feather. He's a star child, man. Hey. <laughs> He's not the butch one. He's not, you know. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? What's your, What's your favorite, Joe? I hope we don't. Uh, I had an easy up? time with this one, but same answer. Yeah, of course. Mm. Star Rock City. Mm. Mm. Well, I guess honestly, we know what track is going to get played. <laughs> I don't th- honestly, I mean, Great expectation. Oh, well, I've got six, a lot to say about that song. Oh, boy. Lot to say about it. Oh, the six first albums, I, honestly, I think this is my least favorite. It's the one I listen to the least. Mm. <clears throat> You know, I mean, I think it's cool. I like it a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's you can kind of see how you know, like it's like you get a little glimmer of <clears throat> songs from the older, <laughs> like yes, they're, they're kind of theatrical. I, yes. I know that was pushed by Ezrin, and it was pushed by him for that album as well. I'm going way ahead. Mm. <laughs> But, you know, I, I just think there are, like, certain, uh, I don't know, tendencies, for lack of a better term, that they start showing here that show me the side of Kiss I'm not super in love with, even though I respect it, and, you know, some of their more, like, just theatrical uh, mm-hmm. side, which, you know, I, I don't really mean to put it down too much. No. But as far as, like, my favorite song, I mean, Detroit Rock City is a ripper, and to me, I don't know, after that, it's like... It, Falls off pretty quick, even though hmm. you know King of the Nighttime World. <clears throat> those that's, two. That's are, number three. <clears throat> those two make a nice kind of. They do. I mean, even in the concert, actually on the album, they kind of go back. Do they go back? Do they flow into to each other? Or yeah, they, yeah. The uh, crash. It goes yeah. Detroit King God. That's a three. Yeah, the crash goes three. Yeah, yeah. Back into the. Uh, I mean, th- that's a nice. It is a nice one-two hit. You can't. I mean, Detroit Rock City is just so awesome. That intro, it's just so much energy. It's it's cool because it's. I think it's one of the first songs of the first uh, from the first batch of albums that is not just about 
sex. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, I, it's I, not just this <laughs> party song. It's like, no, it tells us a story, and it's, I don't know, it's just got a vibe. It's, it's very vibe. It's grim. Yeah. It's a grim song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has a dark edge. Um, and I think Ezrin told him, like, stop writing about your dick. Mm. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, and Gene you know. said, "Impossible, impossible." <laughs> I must. Fans want <laughs> to hear about my dick. Have to write about my if dick. If you look down the song tracks, I don't know if there's any songs about sex. Maybe "Do You Love Me," but that's not. Yeah, that's but just about every adoration. other song. They're all like, it's all about like you know, part. It's it's about like taking uh, control of like the night. You know, a party, a concert. Right, right. Or it's about youth, or it's about like the kind of collective of like the rock and roll, you know, party in life. But it's not specifically like, hey, baby, come back to my room. You know, they kind of sweet pain is a little it. bit right. Yeah, sweet pain is a little about. Yeah, little, I guess you're right, but it's sexy. it's mass. But yeah, 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 no, yeah, you're absolutely some of the right. Production, yeah. Okay, how about you? I mean, it's hard What's to it's hard not to agree with the uh, the rest of the panel here and um, in saying you know Detroit Rock City. I mean, the, the solo, right. the whole build up, and everything. But I will take it a step further because I think both should be played, and that would be Detroit Rock City into King of the Nighttime. Absolutely, so it's like one of the best one-two punches on any album that that I personally own. Word. So, all right, let's let's jump immediately. Well, Joe already talked about his least favorite track. So, Ron, what about you? <sighs> It's uh, it's kind of a hard choice. Like, Great Expectations would probably be, like, the go-to, I guess. But I kind of like that song. I, I like that they, you know, spread their wings a little bit on that one. And Gene wasn't singing about his dick. <laughs> Unless he was. You know, he was expecting something. But, uh, I don't, I, um, I mean, his rock and roll party... Uh, <laughs> It's not really. I a didn't song, count it. Right? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't include it. I didn't. It's an right? outro. It's like a. You know what? Not... You know what? Fans' theories have been about rock and roll party lately, like especially on the the podcasts. Yeah. The, the kids really pop. People have brought this up, and I think it's it's very interesting. But people think that rock and roll party is the fan at the beginning of the album after he's died, and you know it's kind of like it's just playing over in a loop over and over again. Hmm. You know the um, yeah. the audience noise and and Paul Stanley, you know, saying we got to have ourselves a rock and roll party, you know, yeah, right. oh, an old thing. Kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's an interesting okay. it's an interesting theory. I, I don't know if that's what they were thinking at the time, but um, nonetheless, I think I guess I'm just gonna have to go with Great Expectations, even though I do like it. I like it a lot, I, but there's not a ba- there's not another bad song on this record. Because look down the line, you got Beth. Beth is. Great Beth song. is a good song. It's a great song. Beth is a good song. Written by Peter Chris, right? And Ezra and Stan and, yeah, Henridge. Henridge, right. Yeah. So, I mean, mm. and, and it's a hit. And and like I said, it's a good song, and it spawned a lot of Kiss lore. Beth, you know, I could, like, you, there's, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange to me that, like, it won a People's Choice Award, and, like, mm. and... Like there was that whole thing where it was not it was it was the throwaway song, but somehow somebody grabbed onto it. And I remember watching when I was a kid the People's Choice Award with Peter uh, singing it. You know, like it was a shitty music video of like him just kind of sitting there with the microphone, right? Twisted up lips before and, the era of videos. <laughs> yeah. You know, with his Rocky Balboa mouth, because he does. He suffers from Rocky Balboa mouth, but he's uh, but yeah. I mean, I'm Beth is still a good song. And so is Flaming Youth, and so is Sweet Pain, and so is Shout It Out Loud, and so is Do You Love Me. I mean, these are all 
These are all Kiss classic songs. God of Thunder. I'm, I'm going to say Great Expectations, even though I do like Great Expectations. Yeah, there has to be a least favorite, even, right. even, yeah. if, the, even if the song happens to be pretty good. So, yeah. Mike? I am 100% with him. That is why I even picked it. It's... I Okay, I picked it only because I couldn't pick another one right. that I thought was weaker. Right. Even though... Great Expectations is kind of cheesy, right? Totally. But it has a charm. Yes, <laughs> I don't yes, know. Yes. It's like, it, like you said, it, it is a, it is, it's an elder precursor song. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it should have been on the elder. It, it could have been on the it's elder. It's a Gene Simmons solo album precursor. Mm, it has that that some of that schmaltz. The that. schmaltz, yes, <laughs> yes. So yeah, and I mean, great the song is kind of about sex too. When you think about it, it is about sex. Oh, it definitely sex. is. It's just him wanting to get laid. Right, you right. Know, you've got great expectations, like you're gonna fuck me. Yeah, oh, sorry, Gene. Yeah. Sorry, we can't all fuck you. <laughs> but um, again, it's not that it's a mm-hmm. bad song. Although they, there are bad songs in the Kiss Canon, obviously. Nope. I don't think this is a bad song. It is just the least good right. on this it's album. It's the weakest link. That's on, it. Yeah. It's, it's the weakest link on what is probably Kiss's greatest triumph. Mm. Right? I mean, that's... I would say. It's, it's not my favorite studio record by Kiss, but it is their breakout moment. You know, and that's the way I look at it. Okay. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. I, I This is where I'm not going to agree with the group, mm-hmm. but... I actually think "Sweet Pain" might be the the least right. favorite for me. Yeah, it has, that, was it has, my, that was my almost, by the way. Yeah, it, it has been. Almost. It has been for a long time. Um, Great Expectations, I, I appreciate a lot more. Just me generally being a fan of Ezrin's production and all that, I, I kind of look at it that way too. So right. it, it's a little more on upper level for me. So I, I have to go with "Sweet Pain." All right. So. You guys have listened to the remixed version of Destroy Resurrected, so yep. I wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought was the best remixed version on that record. I, I, I mean, I listened to it, and I don't really hear that huge differences. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't. I hear, I do hear slight differences, but not enough for me to be like, oh yeah, wow, listen to that, you know? Like, I don't, I, I feel it's more or less the same record. I feel I feel it's a kiss money grab, you know, with the with an extra scut of sweet yeah. pain with the different guitars. Uh, right. There's you there's know? that mild difference, which is a mild difference. There's some really. songs where Paul's vocals are a little raw, r- more raw, hmm. raw, <laughs> more raw than they are on the Destroyer record, but it, it's not enough of a difference for me. To well, I will point out little. one glaring difference that they, you know, quote unquote corrected because apparently. It was incorrect on the original version, but it's that lyric of moving fast down 95 on the original. Right. He somehow corrected it on Destroyer Resurrected to moving fast doing 95, even though he didn't have to bring Paul Stanley back into the studio to recut it. I always thought he meant Interstate 95. Hmm. Yeah, who, who knows? Moving fast down 95. Right. Like 95, right. Does yeah. 95 go through Detroit? No, isn't it East Coast only? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I believe it is East Coast only. I believe Miami, it is ninety-five. Miami, right? Rock City, Miami to uh, yeah. But that's what I, I mean. That's what I always thought. I, believe, I always, I always figured there, he was like Interstate ninety-five. Yeah, you never know. I'll bring up my favorite remix version on the album, and, and I'll point out exactly why. I think the song that benefited the most from the remix was "God of Thunder." Okay. For one thing, you could actually hear a kick drum. Right. And I just think it, it sounds a lot more punchier and, and heavier. So I would go with God of Thunder. Okay. I'll I, was, that. I, I listened to both yesterday. I was trying to A-B them. And aside from, obviously, one sound, 
It just sounds like if they put the turn the volume up, it's a little bit more lush. Mm, it's I, beefier. I was, yeah, a little, yeah, it's definitely beefier. Um, but I, I, if I had to answer, although I wasn't knocked over the head with any like one song that, that sounded so much better, I would agree. God of Thunder. Some, there's just a, he. It sounds like he tweaks some of the kid voices. Like, oh yeah. This it's it's just a little different on that end. So I guess it's more. I don't know. What I didn't mention in the notes, um, the kids on the album are Bob Ezrin's kids, which hmm. he, he had on oh, really? he had on quite a few of his albums that he produced. <laughs> so that's cool. That is cool. Um, Do they get royalties? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder about that. Maybe Smart guy. Bob Gene Simmons, we never paid them. <laughs> we never gave them the money. I sued Bob Ezrin's child. Yes. And yeah, so obviously we're talking about Bob Ezrin, so it leads to the final bit on this album, and that's the the production discussion. I mean, obviously a huge upgrade. Oh yeah, from the first three albums. Oh, yes. but, yeah. but yet, yet that's what that's but it's to different. me what made the biggest difference. Yet like, so many know? people had a problem with it. Interesting. Right. Weird. I actually like the production on Dress to Kill, man. I I, I do too. It was a good rock and roll record. This was just like their Beatles. Like I said, it was their Beatles moment. You know, as they wanted to explore and. You know, this like different them. kinds of songs. And yeah, this is them definitely taking a stab at like a Sgt. Pepper-esque type. 100%. You know, yeah. kaleidoscopic. Yeah. You know, I take mean, Kiss uh, to the furthest edge of what, what it could uh, be. In that sense, I find it interesting. I've, I I will <clears throat> admit, I've, you know, as being a huge Kiss fan my whole life, I never really understood, like, why this album was so revered. Like, I mm-hmm. like it. I always oh, thought see. Rock and Roll Over was way better. Or, I don't know. I just, I'm going to agree mm. with you on that one. I mean, I <clears throat> it's a cool record for sure, and I don't really listen to it too much. Listen to listening to it yesterday, I guess I, you know, was due for some reappraisal on my part, and I maybe I gained a little bit more of a, uh, an appreciation for it. You know, we should discuss more on the podcast as well as the artwork on the records. Oh, this artwork is gangbusters. Because this guy, this artwork, man, unbelievable. Kelly, yeah. Unbelievable. It's like just uh, post-apocalyptic with them as the survivors, and and this is really what this is where the mark where the merchandising yeah. Oh, yeah. spawns completely. Where they become Kiss in the quotes, in my opinion. Right? Yes. Merchandise. Yes. This is where they yeah. became Kiss Corp. You yep. know, this mm-hmm. is where this is where the money was made because mm-hmm. like that that image of the I always remember seeing that image yeah. that, for the first time that record cover holy shit like, mm-hmm. this is really beautiful yeah. to look at you know it's superheroes come to life that's what it is which right, spawned yeah. everything comic books dolls yeah. you know minivans whatever the fuck they were selling those days coffins. models coffins it's coffin. well eventually that's, that's, that's yeah. a little cooler no, that's later on yeah they gave one a dime bag. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, too, about the artwork. The Destroyer Resurrected album cover is supposedly the original artwork by right. Ken with Kelly. The old, with the old costumes. Yeah. Mm. That was supposedly rejected by, by Casablanca because they found it to be too violent. Huh. And then, obviously, and too, with the outfits. Right, so. yeah. So, yeah. Well, once they cleaned it up, man, that record... The only weird thing is Ace's weird finger. Yeah, that is that is a little strange. strange. Like what's going? It's like it's like shadowing or something like, like that. A, it's like pointed upwards. And it looks like, like his thumb is like detached like, from his from his very hand. Very strange. But then again, he's from uh, another planet. So he's from right, Jendel, right? Jendel, yeah, he's from planet Jendel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <but>, man, <laughs> they're all triple jointed in them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's get into the tracks. We'll play Detroit Rock City into King of the Nighttime World, and then we'll follow that right up with. God of Thunder from Destroyer Resurrected.
Pontiac, Michigan youth was reported dead at the scene of a head-on collision on Grand Avenue this morning. The youth was reported to be driving on the wrong side of the boulevard when he struck a delivery truck and was catapulted through the windshield of his car. The driver of the truck is reported to be uninjured. The identities of both men are being withheld by local police. County legislators today are expected to rally to the aid of striking longshoremen in hopes of ending the nine-month
right, that was Detroit Rock City and King of the Nighttime World from the original version of Destroyer, followed by God of Thunder from Destroyer Resurrected. And so now we're going to move forward and talk about the second album released in 1976 for Kiss, and that is Rock and Roll Over, released on November 11th, 1976, and recorded between September and October 1976 at the Star Theater in Nanuet, New York. And it's the second Kiss album in the discography to have been produced by Eddie Kramer following Alive in 1975. The singles released, Hard Luck Woman, released on November 1st, 1976, and peaked at number 15 on Billboard's Hot 100. And that was followed by Calling Dr. Love, which was released on February 13th, 1977, and peaked at number 16 on Billboard's Hot 100. Only two singles released from that album. The album cover and inner sleeve was designed by Michael DeRay, who they'd later hire again 23 years later for 2009's Sonic Boom. The album is currently certified platinum, and it peaked on Billboard's Top 200 album chart at number 11. The album would see Kiss and Eddie Kramer reuniting for the first full-fledged studio album to be recorded after he'd recorded some of their earliest demos before being signed to Casablanca Records and then recording Alive in 1975, as I mentioned before. They had rented out the Star Theater in Nanuet, New York to record the album, with Peter Chris's drums ending up in one of the bathrooms to be recorded, with Peter having to communicate with the band and Eddie Kramer through a camera that was set up in front of his drum kit. During the album's promotional run, Kiss would appear on Don Kirshner's rock concert via mimed promotional video performances of I Want You, Love Em and Leave Em, and Hard Luck Woman. And speaking of Hard Luck Woman, the story goes that Paul Stanley had written the song specifically to submit to Rod Stewart, but then Peter Chris would ultimately end up singing on the track to be included on a Kiss album instead. Then, despite Kiss's attempt to win back disgruntled fans who were not pleased with Destroyer, the song would end up being released as the first single due to the overwhelming crossover popularity of Beth, which had still been having a great run on Billboard's Top 100 Singles chart. This album would also see the original version of Gene Simmons' See You in Your Dreams, which he'd re-record for his 1978 solo album as he was said to have not been too pleased with the version recorded on this album by Kiss. And it should also be noted that the album is the first in their discography at the time to not feature a single writing credit for Ace Frehley. Hmm. Pressings of the album would include a Kiss sticker, which was later brought back for the 2014 180 gram pressings, and for the latest pressing from 2017 by Sound of Vinyl on a translucent orange vinyl press. So, let's get into the favorite track for Rock and Roll Over, and we'll start with Joe. Uh, it's a little tough for this one because I love this record. Same here. And it, it's I don't know, it's a little different from the other s- tracks, but I think Hard Luck Woman is my favorite on this one. Wow. Hmm. Even though there's other harder rocking songs, I just think as a song, like forget Kiss, forget anybody. Mm-hmm. That's just a great, beautiful song. Mm-hmm. I just think it's undeniable. I mean. Golf Brooks version is fucking awesome. It's very good. Bring yeah. that up, yeah. Uh, it, I don't know. What am I going to say? It's just a great song. It, the musicianship on it, just the chord structure. 
I'm actually, I almost can't believe Paul Stanley wrote it because it's, like, <laughs> it's too good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. No, but it's just. It is funny in context, though, considering the goes, lyrics on prior yeah, albums. Yeah, but it, mm. it goes to show you the guy does have talent. Right? Yeah, Absolutely. Paul Stanley's a talented dude, man. We, I we mean, goof uh, on I him, almost but. wouldn't believe it, but I know he wrote Love Gun, and that that song to me is incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. As far as like just someone sitting there with a guitar writing a series of chords and melodies that work together, uh, always easier said than done. But those songs have uh, very nuanced approaches to them. Not they're not typical. It's not a typical three chord rock song. There's a lot of <clears throat> I, just in my opinion is. A lot of really smart uh, choices made uh, musically, and that's my pick for best song on this record. It's a good pick, mm-hmm. Mike. Uh, mine is "Calling Doctor Love." That's my favorite song on this record. Nice. I've always liked this song. Doctor Pepper, you like? That? Yes. Well, not, <laughs> no. It's just it's just kind of like a cool raunchy. <laughs> Kiss song. It is. You know? is. It's um. <laughs> it's it's just like a good vibe. Like it's just. I don't know. I, I, back in the '90s, there was this band, um, Electric Hellfire Club, that covered it, oh. and it was uh, they had it on this, this this industrial goth comp whatever CD I had. I can't remember which one from I think Cleopatra Records, and it kind of made me rediscover the song. And that's like the song has always kind of been stuck in my head, both their version and the Kiss version. So I, I you know, for a while, like I, it, there was a time in my life where I wasn't really thinking about Kiss, you know. And then in the 90s, at some point, I kind of rediscovered them, so to speak. It was like my, when I was a kid, I liked them, and I was kind of following them a bit when I was a kid. And there was a whole period of time where I was definitely not following them. So around mid-90s or so is when I kind of rediscovered them, and that's when the, this cover version came out. So the songs always had like a little, little place in my heart, as they say. Uh, for a runner-up is uh, I Want You. Love it. Love that fucking song. And... Uh, I like that you, you know, have the runner-ups. Number runner three ups. is Hard Luck Women. Those are the three best songs on this record. I do appreciate that you have the runner-ups. Uh-huh, yeah. All right, Ron? This is a hard one, man. Because, yeah. It really is. This is my favorite Kiss record. This is my favorite Kiss record, too. It's it's a, it's a almost Studio like, record. It's almost like a Ramones record. Like, it's just so rock and roll. Yeah. Like, there's nothing there's nothing about it that's not rocking, you mm-hmm. know? Even Hard Luck Woman, which is like a sappy kind of like, you know, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it, it's it's still a good like you know it's got its rock beat and I I mean I don't know I I can't choose it's too hard I was got to say, choose I was gonna say to I got to choose I got this, I got this album tattooed on my leg the cover oh, nice, so like dude. I love it you know it's like it's like my favorite record growing up that was another one with the artwork that you saw this and you're like whoa like this is amazing I remember the day came out like that's how little I was and walking into that's the store that's amazing and being like record factory guy nice and being like what nice. the fuck like there oh my god when did this come out cause back then you didn't, you, know, you didn't have magazines telling you when stuff was coming out I'm probably gonna say I want you okay uh, I was gonna say making love cause I do really god, like, I love that really song. love making love cause it's such a ripper it really and, is what and an it makes album you closer. want more and it makes you want more exactly what right. an album closer too it's, right it, I, you know what I changed my mind I'm gonna go I'm gonna <laughs> make okay. I'm gonna say making love is my favorite but mm-hmm. I want you is my runner up okay. right. because making love man there's that there's that part like when when he's doing like the bridge 
when he's like uh, 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 the whole night through we do all that and there's that little guitar part like that <laughs> when I was a kid I remember hearing that and being like that is awesome and like my brother was like yeah man it's so cool uh, you know I'm like so like that that brings back such great memories for me that whole moment of like re- hearing that song for the first time and hearing that little guitar part that Ace just rips through everything I'm gonna go with making love is my favorite on this mm. with I want you as a second mm. I want you with the uh, with the sappy intro very cool the way it just rips into yeah. and I remember also watching the Don Kirshner the first time it was on with that moment that the whole Don Kirshner with him and a- Paul and Ace playing the double neck yeah very cool shit but uh I want you as a ripper too, but making love is the go-to track. I feel because it makes you want to go right back to the start. Well, mm. we're gonna have a first in this uh, little roundtable history because we're not gonna have a track that we all agree on. Whoa! Well, not all agree. I'm sorry. That there's more than one of us would say is a favorite. I have to go with "I Want You." Nice. With making love as my runner-up. Wow! Look at that. Okay. And it's mainly because of. That fucking guitar solo, which is <laughs> exactly. just amazing. Yes, the way the way it starts and builds up, and I think it's Paul Stanley and Ace Frehley. That's a that's a that's right. a co guitar solo little section there. But when it gets to Ace's part, yeah, specifically the very end of the solo, just the way that last oh, and when Paul rips back in with yeah, his vocal, the way that amazing. last the way that last note yeah. decays, right? It's just one of my favorite moments on any Kiss record. Awesome. So. We uh, we kind of have a little uh, dilemma here as what the favorite track would be to play. Gotta so play maybe all four of them. Then. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, now do we got to play all four of them, or do we go with the ones that got the most with uh, favorite and runner up? I say play all four. Fuck it. People can skip <laughs> if they don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, making so. love and and the way it ends, the way making love ends, it doesn't end. Mm. Like like it just like that beat is just ripping all the way through the silence and you're just like oh, this is amazing. Song. Yeah, you just it's, wanted to keep going yeah, for a little bit longer. It's an amazing song. All right, well let's get to what may not be the most amazing song, mm. and that's our picks for least favorite track. So, um, oh, we'll, we'll start with Mike on this one. All right, well it's Baby Driver. <laughs> How dare you, sir. Baby Driver? Oh, no, Baby Driver is not that good of a song it's a little silly I don't know I just I don't feel it I'm not feeling Baby Driver and in the complete shocking contrast of all of you guys I feel this album only has like four good songs on it whoa whoa alright maybe not okay sir I feel that this album is very samey it's it's but not the not I don't know maybe not like it's a bad record samey but it just doesn't have the the dynamics and like the fucking oh my gods of Love Gun and Destroyer for me. It does not at all to me. I get it. I get what he's saying. Yeah, I get it. Because this is a more of a straightforward rock. Record, yes, you know? it's not. Um, and it's like they took it back a bit from Destroyer. It's tried and true. Yeah, they, like they took it back. I feel like they went were a little like you know what? Let's let's just rock out. Let's just just you know yeah. rock and roll. You know right. what I'm saying? Let's go back to Dress to Kill for this one. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There is a bit of a Dress to Kill yeah. by my, but Dress to Kill is one of my favorite albums. Right. Is my is my number one album. Um, I think there's just more bangers on Dress to Kill. Uh, the production we'll, we'll get into yeah. to me also has just it seems like they almost were like you know what we're going to put out another album this year and we're going to listen to a few of these little rumblings about what we're hearing about Destroyer, right. even though it's doing very well. 
You know, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna right. like take and a step we'll go back. back to again. Yes, yeah, yes, they, they, that's they, what they, I feel about. They this totally acted on impulse from mm-hmm. the reaction and, and maybe, initial. Maybe because you got to remember too, when Destroyer first came out, it didn't sell particularly well out the gate. Right. It just you know, it, it kind of stalled for a little while, and they were getting like really panicky because they're like, you know, Alive was like a monster, mm-hmm. right. and then this thing just kind of stalled after a while. And then you know, Beth becomes a, a huge hit. Yeah, and then the album starts. Picking up more sales, which and, and Hornbook Woman is is it's funny. I, I read that it was a little inspired by Rod Stewart's Maggie May, and I can hear that. Oh, absolutely! Oh, I can I can totally hear no that, in that song. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I said, this is not a, this isn't a bad record. I walk that back, but it, it's not <laughs> one of my it's not one of my big love Kiss albums. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. That's okay. So that's Absolutely that. Yeah, man. Run. I double. I'll take a second helping of Baby, Baby Driver. Driver some more songs. Like, I'm not. It, it's not a bad song. How dare you? It's not a bad song. It's not a bad. Listen, but I will say, I'm, I will say, it's almost on par for me with "See You in Your Dreams" mm-hmm. as as bad song. Mm-hmm. "See You in Your Dreams" is just slightly better than "Baby Driver." Yes, See, that's what I thought. "See You in well. Your Dreams" is very sugary kind of. <laughs> so it's kind of it's boring and it's just not you know the one on the solo album wasn't much better so I don't know what the fuck he was thinking but Baby Driver I, is 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 like the Baby Driver for me is the rest on the album that you need you know because mm, okay. because you, you run through I want you take me call on Doctor Love Ladies Room which is very underrated great it's a good song. it's a good song very great kiss song then you got Baby Driver just right, like, you know right. like throw a little ice on mm-hmm. you a little ice water on you. And yeah. then you're back to Love Him, Leave Him, which is a fun... I love that song. It's a fun Kiss song. I like that song. Yeah. Mr. Speed, great, great song as well. Mr. Speed is like uh, is like a very cool... like It kind of reminds me of like a California rock and roll tune, you know? Mm-hmm. I enjoy that a lot. See you in your dreams. Yeah. Hard Luck Woman, they come right back with that. And then Making Love is just a showstopper. But I'm, I'm going to stick with Baby Driver and then uh, See You in Your Dreams as runner-up for shittiest song on... <laughs> The best kiss album there is. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's get Joe's least favorite track on Rock and Roll Over. Okay. Uh, at the risk of upsetting some fellows here, <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure. It's kind of a tie between Colin Dr. Love and Ladies <laughs> Room. <laughs> yes, shocking. Yes. Uh, I do like those songs, but I don't know why. It's like uh, something about them. They just. You know what? <clears throat> Move, you know, maybe I'm jumping ahead as I've been doing a little bit. Those songs, <laughs> they get they get so much better in the live. Mm-hmm. They kind of suffer from some of some stuff the earlier Kiss songs uh, suffered from, like being a little sluggish and mm-hmm. sounding a little chintzy on the record. So they suffer in comparison to the live version a lot here. So. I don't know, those songs aren't super compelling to me, even though I like them, but if I had to choose, it's amongst one of them, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe's going to be very upset right now, because I'm going to have to choose Baby Driver. All right. <laughs> Baby Driver. Unanimous. Almost unanimous. I like that oh, movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> mm. We love our Peter Chris here. Joe does, anyway. It, yeah, again, it's, it's, not, it's not one of Peter's more horrible moments. On a Kiss record, but yeah, every album's got to have a least favorite, so that one is mine. We're all entitled to our least favorite Kiss song. 
Absolutely. Mine would be Domino. <laughs> I think oh. we spoke about this last time. What? Domino's hard. Oh my god, Domino. I love that song. Little Caesar. I, think it's I a love fun Domino. Song. <laughs> I hate Domino. I, I will say something about this record that I really love about it, and I don't know, this is interest weird way I have of categorizing some songs on this record, but um, if you're gonna say like a song like <clears throat> um, what do you call it? A Detroit Rock City is like a Kiss like A Squad, mm-hmm. right? Maybe something like Rock Bottom is like B Squad. Mm-hmm. This has my favorite batch of like C Squad Kiss songs. Mm-hmm. Songs, <laughs> there's a like lot of them. Songs <laughs> like Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. Songs like Take Me. Songs like Love Him, Leave Him, Mr. Speed, See You in Your Dreams, where they're just like. So quirky that it, I don't think any other band would ever write a song like "Love Him, Leave Him." Mm. At least not in that era. Um, mm. They're just like weird little. There's weird fills in those songs, weird rhythms. Uh, I don't know. They just those all those songs I mentioned. There's just something kind of awkward, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the most. It's almost like a symptom of their. <clears throat> their lack of songwriting strength it, at times or their immaturity mm-hmm. that those songs came out sounding so unique as they did because I don't I think a better band would never write something like that but that's kind of like uh, those are aspects of why I like Kiss because it's like a band that's not really not truly great but trying to be just tr- you can hear them trying I don't know I don't know how better to explain it right now, but okay. those songs are just so weird to me, and, and I like hearing them. <laughs> okay, it's good yeah. enough for me. I'll yeah. buy it. Everybody's got to have their own, you know, version of how they they look and right. see and hear Kiss. So that's why the four of us are here. Um, we talked a little bit about the production, and you know, Mike brought up yeah. some stuff. So, is there anything else you guys want to add about the production? I mean, I, I personally, I like the raw, you know, kind of hurried. Me aspect too. of it, me too. It, it, you know, it's you know, it's right. full a on rock and roll urgency. record. There's like right. a sense of urgency to get this record. There, it seemed like there was a sense of urgency to get it done, recorded in less than a month, right? I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's it's it. I I feel that it's I feel that it's Kiss's truest rock and roll record. You know, hands down. Sure. Well, that that with you know with dress to dress to kill. Yeah, yeah. Those two are special records. I get for, the for I get the little. New York Dolls vibe a little back on this record, right? That was yeah. not on Destroyer, right? Um, That's like I yeah. said before. It's like a Ramones, like it's got a Ramones feel to me, like it, like uh-huh. it's a New York rock and roll record. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay, I would agree. Uh, the production isn't bad. No, it's, it's just not. a step. It's a step back from Destroyer. It is. Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Right. They might have spent a little less money on this one. Yeah. No. No yeah. cello on this one. Right. <laughs> no calliope. No, no. <laughs> no chorus of children. No philharmonic. They did no... have a baby driving on it though. <laughs> baby driver. Ridiculously yeah, yeah. dangerous. There's a baby in the car. <laughs> yeah, I mean the most. Baby on board. I think that was the kid driving the car. And the, and the, and the, the baby. Detroit Rock City. Like, I mean mm, the softest. Yeah. The baby from God of Thunder was driving the car. Yeah. <laughs> The driver of the truck was a child. <laughs> I feel that it's a really just a good solid rock and roll record by Kiss, which you know if you go down the line, there's a few of them, but this one I think sticks out. Okay. All right, so and the artwork is outrageous. <laughs> I'll say, no, it's a great cover. 
as a graphic designer, I think a couple of graphic designers here, I, mm -hmm. I love the like the kind of like iconography that. Uh, who is the artist in this? Michael Duray. Yeah, the kind of like the way he chooses, like the backgrounds he chooses for yep. each guy, like the way they meld yeah. into each other. The w yeah, the way they're circling each other, and yeah. just how he he gave. Yeah. He put Peter in like this grass, you know, this yep. jungle grass, and he gave those wings to Paul and the fire. For, I just like the little environments he gave. Ace got the guy. coolest one. Ace got totally. Ace, he, well, yeah, he's he's surrounded by space with uh, the eyes glowing. Yeah, he's got the rays coming out of his eye. I love Jean's tongue twirling in the center. Yep, mm -hmm. which fills in that little hole so nicely. It's really as he made his hair like flames. Right, uh, like you said, graphic designer. It, mm -hmm. It's 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 almost a perfect record cover. There's, it 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 explains the band in one big shot, and it gives each one of them an individuality as well, which is just mm, yeah. unbelievable. It's just great, and the logo like you could flip it any way you any want. Way you it want. still yeah. looks good. You know, exactly. it, it's amazing. When I when I when I went to get the tattoo of this, my my brother would originally wanted this. And the tattoo artist that we know, he was our friend Matt. He was like, "Oh, my brother changed his mind. He ended up getting the um, the one the one that they put out right before the reunion, where they did the live stuff. It was uh, the purple one. You wanted the best, you got the best. I think, oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. With like the four of them, like in a cloud. Yeah. So my brother changed his mind and got that. And my the tattoo artist was like, "Man, I really wanted to do that rock and roll." <laughs> I was like, "Ah, you know what? Let's go." Rolled up my leg. I was like, "Rock let's, let's do, do it. it." And we and I mean, I'm I'm really happy with the way it came out. Mm -hmm. Big ups to Matt Payne. And um, it's it, for me, it might be my favorite record cover of all time. Mm. Oh, it's definitely my favorite Kiss album cover for sure. One hundred percent, no doubt. I think that's what nudges this record into a favorite. And sure, I, you know, if I could be yeah, so right. shallow, the whole package. Oh, no, yeah, the whole package. Yeah, the whole package. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely a lot to be said for that too. And even yeah. the inner sleeve had like the logo just yeah. four times, like kind of flipped around. And it each came other. with the and it came with the sticker. Yep, right. Of, of, of the same of, thing of that you could peel over. off the corners and stuff. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Alright, so let's get into a bunch of our favorite tracks right now. In the morning I raise my head And I'm thinking of days gone by And the thing I want out of life is Thought you could 
Never I met you I'd never have seen you cry If not for a first Hello We never have to say goodbye If never I held you My feelings would never show It's time I start walking But there's so much 
much you'll never know I keep telling you hard love Baby, don't you miss it? 
Alright, those were some of our collective favorites from Rock and Roll Over. And with that, we're going to move on to the next Kiss Studio album, released on June 30th, 1977, which was Love Gun. Recorded at Record Plant Studios in New York City in May of 1977. And this one was produced by Kiss and Eddie Kramer. The singles released on this album, Christine 16, released on June 1st, 1977, which peaked at number 20 on Billboard's Hot 100, mm. and Love Gun, released on July 31st, 1977, peaking at number 61 on Billboard's Hot 100. The album cover and inner sleeve design was done once again by Dennis Wallach, with the album cover being painted once again by Ken Kelly, whose wife at the time became the source of inspiration via the multiple women mm. surrounding the band on the album cover. <laughs> The album is currently certified platinum, and it actually shipped platinum at the time of release, and it peaked on Billboard's Top 200 Album Chart at number four, which was their highest chart position to that point. Hmm. After not showing a single writing credit on Rock and Roll Over, Ace Frehley would return with one of his own originals, which would also mark his lead vocal debut on the song Shock Me. He would end up recording his vocal tracks while lying on the floor, with random explanations over the years being that he was uncomfortable singing in front of Eddie Kramer and the band or to capture the right vocal pitch. Wow. Also very important to be noted is Gene Simmons would work on a few demo recordings for this album with Eddie and Alex Van Halen, which Mm. would be for the songs Tunnel of Love, which would appear on Gene's 1978 solo album, Got Love for Sale, and Christine 16 which were highly sought after for many years and would finally be released on Gene Simmons' 10-CD Vault collection in November of 2017. Before this, long-standing KISS fans would be disappointed to find these demos not being included on the Love Gun 2-CD Deluxe Edition that was released on October 27, 2014. And I think as we brought up before, the song Tomorrow and Tonight was clearly an attempt to recapture the success of Rock and Roll Night but wouldn't even see a single release. The album would also infamously close with a gender-reversed cover of The Crystals' Then He Kissed Me, in which he was changed to she. And as with the previous album, Rock and Roll Over, this album would also come with a special surprise for KISS fans, this time in the form of a paper gun in which you would fold together and add a couple extra pieces to resemble a love gun. Can I start this one? Sure. Good. My favorite song is Shock Me. Done. I'm out. <laughs> Shock Me is Shock quick, Me is uh, quick and easy. Is Ace Frehley's debut mm-hmm. as far as taking the spotlight from the rest yeah. of them, and it is outstanding, outstanding. Mm-hmm. The man cemented his place as a front man, really, as a front man. Ace is a great front man. Yeah, I've seen is. Ace in concert a few times. You could always hear Shock Me. When I hear Tommy Thayer do it, I my <laughs> balls curl up into my throat. Mm, yeah. But when I but but I will always I, I, I mean I, I boo. I, I physically boo the man. I, if I if there were things I could throw at the man when he sings mm. Shock Me, it's not his fucking song. He no. shouldn't be fucking singing it. No. It's an ace song. It's not a Tommy Thayer song, it's a fucking ace song. Ace is the only person that should be allowed to sing this song ever. 
I don't care if you're in a Kiss cover band and you're the ace. Don't <laughs> sing the fucking song. It's Ace's song. It's one of the best Kiss songs. I'll go out there and say it's one of the best Kiss songs ever released. Shock me. Done. I'm out. Right, tell Later. us how you really feel, Ron. Right. I'm out. See ya. All right, Mike. Go, oh, I'm kidding. Uh, it's Mike. tomorrow and tonight. Uh, no, I'm tomorrow. no, shock me, shock me, shock me. Shock All right. Uh, it's I Stole Your Love. Um, it's That's probably one of the first yeah. Kiss songs I ever heard, actually. I Stole Your Love. Uh, and Great. it was the Alive 2 version, I think. Amazing album. Um, which album. is like the fire version. Um, Great song. It's just hard. Great, like, memorable. It's just one of Kiss's best songs. 100%. And Great. my runner-up is Shock Me. That's my Nice. All right. Those are my two faves on the album. But this is the whole, as an album, this is one of my favorites. This nice. is like right under Dress to Kill for me. It's a great them. record. Yeah. All right, Joe. What do you got? Uh, tough one. Uh, Shock me is fucking awesome. Like, mm. I saw your love is great, but uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Almost Human. Good song. That's, nice. That's always been the song I come back to on this record. I think it's definitely. <clears throat> I love, you know, Gene doesn't always play up the demon character. Uh, I mean, he does, but sometimes it doesn't always suit exactly. Right. Like, he puts on that gruff voice, and it's just like he's singing about like, a, a young girl. It's like, it's almost. It's creepy. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> but for this song, the demon character is like very alive, very perfect. Um, I don't know why. This song just has, It almost has like a Sabbathy feel to it a little bit. Something about. Hmm. The, uh, the guitar melody, and then later on in the song, it, uh, it could be mistaken. I haven't heard it in a bit, but when it just it, there's that guitar harmony, it, uh, it kind of reminds you almost of a National Acrobat. Something about it reminds me of that. Hmm. But, but Sabbath aside, I just I just think it's a dark song. Kiss didn't really have too many dark songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's something sinister about it. It has like this weird kind of like jungle. Like I think there's like congas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff. I was gonna say the first Kiss song to feature congas. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, there's a lot of attitude in this song and a lot of character, which I like. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Almost Human. It's a good choice. Thanks. All right. Well, I have to go with the album opener. I stole your love. Just the way. Mm-hmm. Those first like ten or fifteen yeah. seconds, it's just the opening riff is killer. It's just it's just such a fucking great album yeah. opener. Really Which again, you know, Love Gun, it's it's kind of tough to because I could also say like as a as a backup choice, I could I could I could also agree with Joe on something like Almost Human because when I was younger, I didn't really get that song as much. But as I got mm-hmm. older, right. I was like, yeah, this is a really great fucking song. So I could even say something like Almost Human as like a backup. Right. Or or shock me. So, yeah. Um, I think yeah. I think when when we're, I think we're gonna play. I stole your love and shock me from this one. Mm-hmm. Well, I steal and, and, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I, listen. This whole record's a winner, pretty much. I yeah, mean, it really is. I, even Plaster Caster, as corny as it is, is a catchy motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know this. That is a great song. This album really and Rock and Roll Over to me are very much like a eight. You know, sister albums or mm-hmm. like part one, part two. They almost remind me of like uh, Rubber Soul and Revolver. Like, mm, yeah. I don't know why. It's just like they're similar. Like the strong songs are in the same ah. spots. And Destroyer like, is, is, is Sergeant Pepper. 
<laughs> so it's kind of weird, right? Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, you got it that way. <laughs> but, uh, well, the order's a little wrong. Yeah, it's, it's still, yeah, it's reversed, but uh, it's amazing that the Beatles... I mean, listen, Kiss loves the Beatles, so... Absolutely. And this album, to me, like, the way I mentioned, like, that weird sea squad of songs, like, this album has, like, Got Love for Sale yeah. and yep. Hooligan, Almost Human, Plastic Caster, like, not really top-tier songs, but... The songs that deep cuts that Kiss fans know and love, you know. Hooligan mm. is a good I like Peter moment, man. Mm. Hooligan is, is a good song. Peter moment. Cool. He always he always finds a, a really cool kind of dirty street jam to shove, into, shove into the yeah. record. Yeah, I think right. that's one of his older songs that he brought in at that his time. His personality comes through like a lot on those rec- on those songs. And I, I personally, I, I love the way Gene's bass sounds on "Got Love for Sale." Yeah. That whole yeah. just great, great production. All right, so let's get into our least favorite track, and we'll start with Ron on this one. Oh boy, tomorrow and tonight. Okay. I mean, is it's either that or and then she kissed me. When I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, I really liked and then she and then mm-hmm. she kissed me. I mm-hmm. thought it was I thought it was a really cool departure. I kind of like when bands redo older, like '60s jams. You know, I I think it's I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. There's like a, uh, one of my favorite bands, the Afghan Wigs. They like kind of bred on that stuff. Like they kind of turned into like a grungy soul band, and they did a lot of '60s covers. And this kind of like was a precursor of that to me. They're big Kiss fans too, and they've mm-hmm. openly stated that they that they look to Kiss to a lot of their stuff. Hmm. So I mean, I I feel that I like any band that will take a '60s song and turn it into their own kind of jam. So I don't mind, and then she kissed me. I think it's actually a very, it's a good way, it's a good closer for the record, and it's an interesting take it's, on the yeah, song. It's an interesting closer, 100%. too, for sure. But what uh, if you had to choose a song that they wrote? That Kiss wrote? I feel it's a little unfair. No, unfair. I chose Tomorrow and Tonight. Oh, you did? I'm yeah, sorry. Tomorrow and Tonight is my <laughs> favorite. favorite. That's tomorrow, a Paul yeah, song. Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. You're tomorrow right. and Tonight could go in the toilet. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's It's cornball. Yeah. <laughs> I, it it kind of seems like they were going for like another, you know, stadium anthem. Oh, sure, they totally, absolutely were. totally shot the arrow. Way, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, and it's funny, bullseye. and it's funny that they were, and they didn't even bother releasing it as a single. Yeah, right. They didn't yeah. even, they didn't even bother. Yeah, no, tomorrow and tonight's got to go. That's my, uh, that's my, yeah, that's the, my. Uh, and you, you mentioning the whole thing about uh, then she kissed me. I mean, you know, just speaking as from what I remember being a little kid, you know, four or five years old with my little stack of Kiss right. records, you know, and I hear like my parents listening to the oldie version. I'd be like, oh, and Kiss did this song too. And, yeah, right, right. So yeah. I just kind of like I had an appreciation. Right. It was like something my parents exactly. Liked. That's what I'm saying. All those songs are great. Like all those '60s R&B and soul tunes. There's something good about all of them. And if a band has the balls to fucking jump in and say, hey, you know, we're gonna give this a try. I'm gonna give him a fair shake, and Kiss actually won me over with that song. Yeah, and the pr- the production on the track is very right. like, '60s esque, like yeah. a, like a Phil Spector ish, a little bit. Totally, just a totally. little. There's a little it, bit of that sound. Totally, the whole violins, the drums. when the violins come in, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful almost. You know, what are those clicking things called? Yeah. <laughs> what are those things called? Uh, the castanet. 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 Thank you. Thank very you. good. Okay. And I, yeah, I like that. So tomorrow tonight is my vote for the worst Kiss song on Love Gun. <laughs> Right. Not my unfavorite. The worst. Kiss song. Alright, let's go to Mike. This Least is going to be a surprise. It's Christine 16. 
No, uh, you mentioned that on the first part. It's it's not a good song. You I mentioned that on part one. It's not a good song. Super it's creepy. annoying. Super creepy. Now it's an annoying song. That dun, 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 it's like a cheat. It didn't. It's I don't know. It it's like the worst of seventies. Like cheese ball. Right. Repetitive. Like right. it's just. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not a good song. And it was, sample, it was yes. sampled too. Yes, uh, yes. Tone low, Tone low Funky yeah. Cold Medina. But Cold it's Medina. not. I don't know. I just don't like it. I never liked it. I and, never liked and it. And the subject matter is questionable because yeah, no, it's, it's like it's not you, aged very when well. You're a kid, no, whatsoever. But when you were a kid listening to it, you're like, oh, 16. Like, oh, that <laughs> no, girl was old. How about that? Yeah. Didn't even <laughs> dawn on me. Right. That didn't even dawn. Like it didn't even dawn as a kid. Kid. It doesn't dawn you at all. Yeah, of course not. Because yeah, but now that you're an adult, you're like, wait a minute, 16. Yeah, they were in the like late twenties or whatever at this time or however well almost thirty probably. probably thirty yeah. yeah but um I don't know for some people it's like this great kiss song I'm not young girls it's just what can I say <laughs> I don't know not a good live version on a live two at all yeah, yeah no, 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 no. which we're gonna get to yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah Christine sixteen and and I'm not the biggest Plaster Caster fan either but. Uh, it is Plaster Caster is a better song than Christine Sixteen for me. Fuck so, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a better song. <laughs> you know, I, and I, about Christine Sixteen. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier about it being released as a single. I'm I'm of the thinking that that's one of those songs where it was total payola that got mm. it to number twenty. Well, I just find yeah, it. How did that happen? Yeah, I just really? find it hard to believe that that song hit it number a, twenty. It had a seventy sound but though. Some the of their piano, best did it. Had, it had like yeah. a really weird seventy sound it to did. it that I think kind of. Maybe a lot of people were like, "Oh, it's radio cool friendly. sounding, it's radio, radio friendly." friendly. Yeah. I mean, really, like, like think about it. How the fuck is Christine Sixteen chart higher than Shout It Out Loud? That makes yeah, that makes no sense. That makes no that sense. Makes no I would agree. That was, with that. that was, but Love Gun was, was no, Kiss's it, moment. You if know, it's, if there's a teeny bopper audience, they'll okay. pick Christine Sixteen. You right. Know, that, okay. That's more uh, a pro, you know. To mm. me, for like a young kid hearing a song, it's more. I'm just ter- I'm album. thinking of it as. In the aspect of "Shout Out Loud" is such a goddamn catchy song, mm. whereas "Christine 16 is like, you know, yeah. yeah. But it had that weird, like, soft, like, like easygoing radio sound. That ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I could just see people being like, "Oh yeah, it's kind of groovy," like driving around, and then like the the whole like the well, she's been around, but she's young and clean. It's a catchy song. It's not. A it's catchy. Song. It's not that it's not good. Right, yeah. I just don't think it's good. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. But that's why we. That's why I went so high on the charts. Right, right. Because it's catchy, not because it's good. It's not good. It's not good. It was a shape of things. Yeah, to come. maybe it's a little bit of both. You know, it could mm. be the teeny boppers, as Joe pointed out. It right. could. It could also be a little bit of payola because they, you know, Larry Harris from Casablanca Records, he admitted that there was a shit ton of payola to get some of those deal. songs. Oh, that was a big thing into the Back top then. forty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay. um, and also the Billboard charts weren't weren't like. Uh, accurate, 100% accurate. Yeah, accurate. we could say the album positionings yeah, might right, have been yeah, bullshit right. too. Absolutely. Mm. For sure. Great. Joe, your least favorite. Your least favorite song. <sighs> this is tough. I don't know why this one is the toughest of them all so far. Hmm. Because I kind of, I don't know, is it cheating to say that she kissed me? No. 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 Well, it's a Kiss song. They recorded it. If you want to say that and then say maybe like a least favorite uh, song right. written by Kiss, you could also yeah. do that. I just, I kinda, you can't pick one. I just really like them all. I, I would all right. feel bad to... I, I would feel bad to point one out. I don't know. <laughs> you could totally say that. You don't have to feel guilty. You got Love for Sale. It's mm. like a runner-up. My love will not fail you! <laughs> Even though I do like Oh, no! Oh. That's the first. That's the intro of Oh No. How did you hate that? 
Right. Oh, wait until we get to that. <laughs> he loves it now. <laughs> oh, no, that's, oh, no. That's a gun to my head. I have to choose a runner up. That okay. would be it. Got your love for sale? Mm. All right. I guess. Yeah, do it. I, I, I think you guys, I know what you're saying about Christine 16, mm-hmm. but to me, everything that you guys are saying makes it outdated to mm-hmm. me makes it fucking even better <laughs> like okay. the creepiness that okay. has, no, yeah, these are all yeah, the aspects yeah. of the song that are making it fucking great to me well I, she's been a, she, she's young and clean mm-hmm. you know I got the hat you know I don't usually say this to girls your age. <laughs> <laughs> but when I saw you coming out oh of school, God. he's I'll practically fucking Aqualung hanging outside the school. He's like, like that song from the late '80s that gets played on the radio all the time to this day, uh, "Into the Night." That she's just 16 years old, leave her alone. You ever hear that song? <laughs> it's big. It's like '89. I can't think of guy's name. It's like sounds like a pedophile song. It's called "Into the Night." It was a huge song, like eighty. I know what song you're talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know what it's a pedophile about. song. Um, it was a huge song. It was a huge lot of song. Pedophiles. Yeah, I get a pedophile, pedophile mentioned in this what? episode. Yeah, why? Why? Right? I don't know. I, so, you know why? Because we're talking about kiss. We're talking about kiss. Yeah, kiss have about hey, six or whatever. Listen, six yeah, or I mean, we're talking about Christine sixteen. You know, it's, right? It's got to come to mind. It's true. It's it is true. Creepy. I mean, and. It, <laughs> Domino, there you go. It's like <laughs> Domino. This is a band that has a few songs that are questionable. Sure. There you right. go. Definitely Domino. some sketchiness going on. Yeah, sketch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have to say the same thing that Joe had said earlier. It's just you know, it's really tough to pick one. And I'm I've been going through it in my head as you guys were discussing it. And ultimately, I I can't choose. Then she kissed me because, like I said, as a kid, I really appreciated it. And you know, even as I got older, and you know started to get more into like the production side of things and I noticed you know that that song really had like a, a bit of a 60s vibe to it Word. so I, I can only really go with Hooligan as my least favorite track sorry Peter one of your tracks one of your tracks has to uh, take the hit okay. again that's okay it's all good so let's get into the uh, production discussion and I think we again we did kind of allude to it being like a sister album to Rock and Roll Over which hmm. I, I definitely have to agree with. There's definitely a bit of, sort of a little bit of a sameness. I mean, you got Eddie Kramer, so right. I that naturally. Right, beefier sound. Yes, I was going to yeah. say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yes. And it's not so over the top. They didn't the record it at was. the same place. No. You know? It's no. not over the top like Destroyer was, and it's not, it, it's not over the top like Destroyer was, and it's not Bones like uh, Rock and Roll Over was. Mm. It's kind of the perfect. The medium, happy right, medium. It's, right, right, right. It's, it's the medium rare of mm-hmm. this album's. And then also, just on a random note, uh, before we get into the tracks, the Love Gun tour saw the debut of the Love Gun stage that, you know, many KISS fans agree is the greatest mm. stage production yes. they ever did, which they tried to, you know, somewhat duplicate with the 90, 1996 reunion tour. Right. And this is, this comes out in May of 77. 1977 as a whole is probably one of their best years ever, KISS. I mean, oh, this for is sure. Like, oh, yeah, that's KISS this mania. The, yeah, that's, that's the this whole This is They Can Do No Wrong kind of KISS. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. 77, 78, mm-hmm. it's like the biggest years. All right. So, yeah, so, Do No Wrong is right. Yeah. You had Star Wars and KISS. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, 77. Really. Fucking great year. That's my childhood in a nutshell, that and Planet of the Apes. And what's, uh, <laughs> what, what's <laughs> Sabbath 77 out? Oh, wait. Did, what was well, Walt Dead? Technical Ecstasy? Technical Ecstasy, I think it was. Well, it was like 76 yeah, yeah, into 77. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, okay. Maybe they weren't doing as great as Kiss, but <laughs> great year, either way, 77. And uh, unfortunately, the year we lost Elvis. So, but still a great year. And the year the Misfits began. No, no, no. I got to get the mention of the Misfits yeah. again. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's. it's 
it's Americana. Yeah, it sure is. All right, I'm going to agree with Ron, and we're going to play those three tracks that we mentioned <laughs> earlier. Let's do it. I Stole Your Love, <laughs> Almost Human, and Shock, and Shock Me. There you All go. Right. So let's play those right now.
Alright, that was I Stole Your Love, Shock Me, and Almost Human from Love Gun. And now we're going to get into the second Kiss album released in 1977, which was Alive 2, released on October 14th, 1977. And this one was recorded in various locations. April 2nd, 1977 at Budokan Hall, Tokyo, Japan. August 25th through August 28th, 1977 at The Forum, Los Angeles. September 13th through September 16th, 1977 at the Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey. With additional recordings and overdubs being done at Electric Lady Studios in New York City. Once again, just like Alive 1, this one was produced by Kiss and Eddie Kramer. The singles that were released were Shout It Out Loud, which was released on November 29th. 1977, peaking at number 54 on Billboard's Hot 100, which was then followed by Rocket Ride, which was released on February 22, 1978, and peaked at number 39 on Billboard's Hot 100. The album cover and inner sleeve design was done by Dennis Wallach, and it's currently certified double platinum, and it peaked on Billboard's Top 200 album chart at number 7. This album was originally fully recorded in Tokyo, Japan at Budokan Hall, but it was eventually decided to recut most of the album at the various locations mentioned earlier. Several original pressings of the album included an incorrect track sequence with songs that would not end up on the final album. These songs were Take Me, Hooligan, and Do You Love Me, of which two out of three of those tracks, Take Me and Do You Love Me, were recorded during the original Budokan Hall recordings. Copies of this rare misprint version have become highly valuable over the years. The original Live 2 Budokan Hall recordings would eventually be highly bootlegged over the years on vinyl and CD. KISS would also record versions of Hard Luck Woman and Tomorrow and Tonight at the Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey, which were not actually in their live set at the time, and in which Eddie Kramer would overdub crowd ambience over the final versions. The album would also feature all-new studio recordings on side four, as to not repeat any tracks that were already previously on Alive in 1975, and which were also recorded at the Capitol Theater, with additional tracking being done at Electric Lady Studios in New York City. This would be another case where Ace Frehley would have to be replaced by another lead guitar player, as Bob Kulik, who originally auditioned for Kiss back in 1973 would end up recording lead guitar tracks and being uncredited on All-American Man, Rockin' in the USA, and Larger Than Life, while Ace Frehley would only appear on his own track that he had written, Rocket Ride. Bob Kulik would subsequently return later for more ghosting sessions and would play a big role during the 80s when Kiss needed a new lead guitar player by recommending his younger brother, Bruce Kulik, to join the band following the Mark St. John debacle, which we'll certainly get into in detail <laughs> later on. It's also been rumored that Anton Figg might have done some ghost drumming work for Peter Chris on the studio side 4, who'd also play a huge that. factor into the story of Kiss, mm-hmm. and specifically Ace Frehley, as he'd be the drummer on eight of nine tracks on his 1978 solo album. Eddie Kramer has said that he thinks he does recall Anton Figg being involved, but there hasn't been 100% confirmation on this. Interesting. So it's definitely subject to debate. You mean to tell me Anton has never said, yeah, I played on some of Kiss Alive too? 
That's weird. No, I, I, he's, never, he's, 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 he's been able to admit after years of having to stay silent, uh, but you know, he's been able to admit that he played on, on, on all of Dynasty. Right. And, except for one song. And, oh yes, uh, thank one, you. Yeah. Which, which, hell, that, even that's a little weird. That's but, right. Yeah. Peter Chris, yeah, he did play on Dirty Living. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anton Fig has never mentioned anything hmm. about, about Alive 2, but it's just been one of those rumors, and then a video popped up not too long ago within the last few years of Eddie Kramer talking about that he thinks he does remember <laughs> Anton Fig being there. Well, I love all the I love all the, the secrets and all yeah. the things. I love, it's, yeah. it's part of the kids' fun. Yeah. And the album closes with a cover of Dave Clark 5's Any Way You Want It, and it's been said that Elvis Presley's Jailhouse Rock was also up for consideration to close hmm. the album. Interesting. And in a comical note about the studio side four tracks, Gene Simmons would essentially recycle his own bass lines from Love Gun's Almost Human on the track Larger Than Life, which <laughs> I happen to have the audio prepared right here uh-huh. for you guys to hear. And this is definitely a, sort of a, a little shout-out to... Uh, that pull-off bar? <laughs> <laughs> Joe fucking nails it. <laughs> and so I'm going to send this little thing out to my brother, Vincent, and Mike Brun. Many years ago, my, my brother pointed that out, and it's just been uh, you know, one of those comical things that we've I've always talked about. I've never picked up on that until you just brought it up, uh, but it awesome. popped into me. That's awesome. So yeah, that, that's just uh, that's something that my brother brought up many years ago, and that's just something that's been a kind of source of comedy for us over the years. Lastly, the album would come with a booklet entitled The Evolution of Kiss and a set of temporary tattoos, which were both restored and brought back for the 2014 180 gram reissue set. So, let's get into something I asked when we spoke about Alive 1 back on part 1 of these Kiss Roundtable discussions. So, which track benefited the most from the live atmosphere? And we'll start with Ron. Okay, um... I've given this a little bit of thought. Uh, I do love the way they ripped out I Stole Your Love uh, live. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> that's probably my favorite. I also love the way they did Love Gun uh, in, on the live uh, environment. I Stole Your Love is just a totally different song on this, uh, on the live version than it is on the recorded version. It's it's a ripper. It, it's just, it, you could you could hear the urgency, you know, when you listen to that song. I'm going to go with I Stole Your Love as my favorite song on Alive 2. Mm-hmm. Or okay. my favorite interpretation mm-hmm. on Alive 2, okay. I should say. And at least it's one that we can probably assume was actually recorded live with maybe some tinkering done sure. in the studio. No, 
none of the, what happened with some of those other tracks that I mentioned right. before Wait, that weren't even in the, weren't even in the set, and they just went to a theater and recorded them. Right. All right, Mike. Uh, it's actually shouted out loud because I, I I do believe it's one of the first like Kiss things I ever heard as a kid. Sentimental. This this live version of it, and it makes it it gives it a little more like oomph. This live version than the uh, studio version. Mm-hmm. Studio version's great. But uh, I love the live version of Shout Out Loud. It is awesome. Uh, the bass is freaking just, I don't know, just something it about loud. it. Yeah. It's loud. Uh, and I would say I Stole is a definite benefiter as well. Banger. And I Want You. Those are my three, those are like my three favorites on Kiss Alive 2 right there. Nice. Okay. Joe? <clears throat> I'm going to go with um, Making Love. Nice. I mean, on the record, the song is nice. It's a banger. <laughs> it's a C level banger. Mm. No, it's a B. It's a good B. Plus oh, it's a good level B. Oh, all right, good. Yeah. No, but I um, something about just the way they play it on on this recording. It's got a different swing. It's just um, part of it almost has like a I don't know, like really early pseudo thrash. Something about especially the, the way they come in on the second verse. And he's like, ooh, all night long. Yeah. And then it oh, busts back in yeah. onto the second verse. Very cool. And then Chug is like, it's like fucking, it's really heavy, man. Uh, I just love the way they come in, come in on the second verse. Well, if only even this, it's worth it for me just for the way they come in on that second verse. It's just so heavy. And, and, he, and Ace does a ripping solo as well. Hmm. So that's my choice. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to echo some of the sentiments already said in here, and um, I have to say, it's I Stole Your Love, and Making Love is definitely another one. I like the, I like the live version of I Want You as well. Yep. So, I think those would be my, my top three picks. Cool. Good choices. Should we also pick a studio track? A favorite sure. studio track. Sure. Right. Why, why not? Why not? I mean, it's like a whole other record almost, right? We weren't going to leave do. here without talking about the, that side. Oh, of the we yes. were not. Right. Well. Yeah, so I, might, I figured I might as well throw it right. <laughs> throw my hat in the ring. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, of course, say Rocket Ride. Rocket Ride is a ripping ace uh, yeah, signature I, tune. It's second only to Shock Me. I have to agree. It's, I have to agree it's Rocket Ride. Rocket me too. Ride. As a it's kid, I listened to that side. a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I used to just repeat the beginning like over and over. Not for that a the while. other songs are slouches at all. All no. American Man is a really That's good song. That's a good song, song too. I used to love it. Really good song. I played that one heavily as a kid too. And Rocket I, yeah, in the USA is anthemic. Thing. You know, it's got the anthemic <laughs> feel. It's not a great Mike, how do you feel about Rocket in the USA? It's not a great, great song. That's my least favorite of the studio cuts. No, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. It's definitely the worst song of the. Well, man, any way you want it. It's not their song, so I'll right, leave that right, out. Right. But yeah, you're right. Rocking nice the cover. USA. But it's. It, but you're right. We were talking about that before. Lazy, lazy song. It's just, yeah, it's like. But it's not a terrible. It's you know. We need to put 70s, something here. Yeah, it's exactly, very seventies. Right. It's yeah. very seventies. And larger than life is a good song too, man. It's mm. pretty heavy. But Rocket Ride definitely takes the pie. I would say yeah. Rocket Ride, then All American Man. All, mm-hmm. all American Yeah, me Man. too. I've always loved All American Man. Those are probably two best. Definitely. All American Man's a great song. You agree, Joe? Oh, man, when, as a kid, this side of the, of the, just this, yeah, this side four was on my ta- turntable, yeah. like, all the fucking time. Me too. I don't know why, like, obviously the whole record's great, but there was something, um, it I don't know. It felt it, like an extended cut of Love Gun, right? 
Like it kind of felt like Love Gun. If that. Love Gun could be like a, had another side, this would be the, the side. You know, but these were not recorded in Love. No, Gun no, session. I'm not, I'm not saying not. that at all. Oh no, I'm just saying. But I'm saying that they mm. that they feel they're in that vein to me of Love Gun quality. They might have been written in that they probably like time were, yeah. period. Yeah, they're also they're kind of all different too. You know, you got three different singers. Right. Uh, you got a cover song. It's it's almost like a little. Yeah, the cover song is like all of them singing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a chorus. It kind of sounds like right? Yeah. I got to say, uh, larger than life. It sounds more like Paul Stanley doubled. You think doing, so? Doing the, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 that part. But then the chorus, don't they all, don't like Gene jump in there? I think it's all oh, yeah, Gene, Gene's definitely on the chorus. Yeah. You, could, you could hear him in the right. chorus. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, it, it's bougie, but it's it, good. Of note about any, about any way you want it. It's the last song the Ramones ever performed live. That's right. Wow. In, yeah. uh, With Eddie August Vedder. 6, 1996, in California, Los Angeles. Wow. wow. Yeah. That was it. It's a nice bit of history. That was very interesting. More yeah, they they, rec- they also recorded a studio version of that, too. The mm. notes. Yeah. Is it better than Kisses? I'll bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it probably is better than Kisses. I think Larger Than Life is the closest Peter Chris ever came to sounding like uh, John Bonham. If it was him. If it was him. Mm. And it, it's him. I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure it's him. Again, you know, it's one of those things that's subject to debate. We could but... ask Anton Fig. <laughs> let's, let's get Anton Fig. I know a guy that's in a band with Anton Fig. I could ask him. Oh, yeah? yeah. Guy. Hell yeah. He's playing. I'm doing a record for some dude in my job right now, and uh, Anton Fig is his drummer. That's cool. Amazingly. <laughs> and this guy is like, you know, Dylan Roddick. He's just a dude, like a rock, New York rock and roll dude. And Anton Fig is his drummer. And he invited me to his gig. I couldn't make it because I had work. But he was like, yo, Anton Fig is my drummer. I'm like, I know Anton Fig. I know who that is. <laughs> I was like, I'll definitely come to your next one. Did we all pick our favorites? Yeah, we did. You two yeah, we did. Yes. And then we went yes. to the studio favorites. Yep. Yes. And then we all pretty much agreed that uh, so now we're Rocket up. Ride. Which track benefited the least? Can I go first? <laughs> from the live atmosphere. Sure, right. Christine 16. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that one too. But it's not a, it's not a, it doesn't come across well. No piano, yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't work as well. well. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I was, I was, it needs a studio. And I was it's also, a studio song. Yeah. yeah. I was also going to say, just because of the fact that, you know, some of these songs were recorded basically in the studio with live crowd noise added to it. <laughs> I, it's like tomorrow and tonight is, is terrible. Yeah, tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow that was my second. Terrible. Uh, it's not. It just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I can't what? see people in an arena going. All right. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do it tomorrow and tonight. Cool. <laughs> and, and they actually they actually made that the B side to. It was either the B side to Rocket Ride or the B side to Shout It Out Loud. Right, so yeah. they they tried to push mm, the song out there they really somehow. Did. They really did. But you know nobody was buying it. Right. Right. That was the bathroom trip song. What do you think, mm. Joe? Uh, worst, yeah. Um, well, not worst, but least beneficial. Yeah. I was gonna say one of the two Peter Chris songs. As much as I love, um, what do you call it? Um, Hard Luck Woman. Hard Luck Woman. You know, did it benefit from the live situation? No. I don't think it benefited. Mm. Nah. If anything, it's like it just deviated, e- yeah. lateral, equal lateral move, or maybe even a little less. I like the the acoustic touch of the uh, studio version mm-hmm. and Beth I'm, I'd be hard pressed to think it's not just a, 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 yeah. this, the studio cut just with a live track over it, a live audience over it I would say one of those two is the least uh, improvement hmm. 
Right. Yeah, like well, I feel, yeah, I, I was I'm going with Christine sixteen, but I also would go with Hard Luck Woman. It's just not I don't know, great song. Yeah, but I feel like in that a big arena setting, it gets lost. Right. Right. Yeah. And plus, they didn't even really record it live. Yeah, exactly. You know, and in front Beth. Of the crowd. But I will say Beth though. I feel like I've heard what he called Q one hundred four play the lot Beth. So like I feel like did they really live Beth? Oh, well, I feel I'm, in my life I feel like I've heard they, it. They, like, they might have. You know. Um, or I, in general, like I feel like I've I've heard that in my in my travel. And it's really just that. Peter singing to a tape, so it's yeah, also just kind of like. That's one of the that's right. one of the that's one of the tracks that I think was recorded at uh, Budokan uh, on the okay. uh, on the eventually rejected original version of Live Two. Uh huh. So uh, let's, let's the unfavorite oh. studio track. Oh, the unfavorite studio track. Well. I think we kind of went through that already. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's, it's got to be rocking in the rockin USA. Rocking for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's rocking it in the USA. Lazy writing. R O C K I N in the USA. That's another horrible song. Imagine being from England. <laughs> Birmingham was really neat. Oh my god. There wasn't god. much to eat. <laughs> oh yeah, my Ger- god. Germany was really neat. Ger- oh, was it Germany? <laughs> I thought it was Birmingham. Was really Japan neat. had much to eat. Japan had much I to love, eat. I've, I've been to England too. Two? There wasn't, there wasn't much, much to do. do. Oh my god. That's why god. he's rocking. One and thing people, I know is true. And what people take the do. piss on. Rocking <laughs> in the USA. It doesn't even grammatically make sense. What what I would rather do is rocking in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fucked up if you think about it. Like, yeah, Europe was okay. You're you know, Germany a, was neat. Missing a verb in there. But yeah, I'd rather be in the USA. I'd be rocking in the USA. I'd rather I'd be, be rocking. I'd rather be. <laughs> wow, they, he wrote that in the bathroom. He, he just he just like you know dropping the dude. Dropping the yeah. He's just like this. Yeah. This is brilliant, Paul. Paul, sing it again. <laughs> that was a staple of the, of the 70s, right? You had to have a song when you list a bunch of cities. Yeah, right. Oh, totally. totally. It is now, too. The people still do it. It's stupid. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. They had a list. They had a They had a show love. But Kissing Time is 8 million times better than Rock yes, in the USA. Yes, it is. You know it what I'm is. saying? That's yeah. the other, it is. you know, shout out to the the, the places kind Kiss of song. Kissing Time has that rock Kiss in Time yeah, is it's a definitely way better the better song. of those two of kind those of two. songs. You have to pick. Yeah. Come on. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> if you, you see Paul Stanley's uh, in that book, Kiss and Towel, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like they all like rank each other's songs. and Paul Stanley. Oh, yeah. Paul Stanley is hit. To paraphrase, he's kind of like the last. Oh, it's I, behind the mask. Behind the yeah. mask. Mm-hmm. Great he's kind of like the the less I say about that song, the better. <laughs> <laughs> that book is great. Do you ever? Do you ever? Did you ever read the that book? The only one. Did you no? Did you see the behind the mask book where and in the back end of the book, they go through all the albums and they they review the songs like, like mostly that. mostly Gene and Paul. Oh um, yeah, okay. Gene is like hilarious when he's talking about like any of like Peter's songs. Is he really? Absolute zero. <laughs> 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 it's so funny. Back then, if you would have asked them 30 yeah. years ago, they would have been like, oh, it's great. Yeah, like, but talking about like, like, we've had enough of you. Just just killing Paul for songs like Hold Me, Touch Me. It's, it's worth. Song. Yeah, it's worth. It, that book is worth buying just for that section alone. We're going to do solos? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get to that. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I'm, just, I'll, I'm just asking. I, know, I didn't, I'll t- no, I didn't okay. know that was part no, of the No, no, it's okay. I'm going to talk about that when we wrap up at the end. Cool. So. Let's close the discussion on Alive 2. Just, you know, again, we've kind of talked about the production a little bit. But, you know, in terms of Alive 1 versus Alive 2, I'm sorry. Alive 1 just smokes this album. Mm. Uh, you want to know something it does? 
in the grand scheme of things. But when I was a kid, I probably would have picked this album on top yes. of the line. Okay. Just yes. Just because it was newer, you know? Like, when I was a kid, I was immediate, you know? Like, I was like, I want that. Mm. And okay. Alive 2, uh, Love Gun, uh, I like the, I think I like the cover of Alive 2 better. Mm. Just because it's weird. That picture of Gene on the cover oh, yeah. always yeah, gave me yeah, some fucking nightmares. Yeah, as a kid, I was like, what's like that? A, why is black so metal wet? Why is he so oh, wet? Yeah, totally. <laughs> A lot of those, a lot of pictures of Gene, live, early prime era pictures, to me look oh, like yeah. very black metal. Very and he used to metal. get, and he used to get height when he would jump with those high heels. He oh would get yeah, up, yeah, man. that's crazy. He would get like as head high with those boots. That's insane. He's doing like those Aussie frog Now he jumps. shuffles. Now he shuffles. <laughs> I remember a really striking image in the Kiss cards of Gene as a kid that I'd be like, whoa. Yeah, right. It's a oh, certain one. Cards? Oh, yes. Was it the one with like the red light? Behind him, Thinks that it was just, like just him like, yeah, like, yeah, it's like, like this looks like Satan. I love it. Like I, I just yeah. And they had another photo shoot at that time where the, like, he had the blood just kind of like splattered on him, like like smeared on his face. Yes, that, that was a sick picture too. Yes, yes I, like, I totally remember these. Yeah, you remember these things. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, with the leg up and like the blood just kind of mm-hmm. smeared yeah, on yeah, his face. Yeah, man. Fucking weird, man. He, he but did a good job. It was what we liked. It was, it was everything <laughs> we always wanted when we were kids. This was the first makeup album. I, that I purchased with my own money. Nice. I, went, I think I bought it cool crazy stat. money on Coney Island. Nice. <laughs> right, on him and uh, King's Highway. Yeah. Mm. Nice. You got the bonus tattoos too. Mm-hmm. No, I, it might have been a re, you know, like a oh, like an uh, 80s oh, really? oh, reissue. Oh, okay. I mean, I, you know, I was like twelve. I was like, uh-huh. it was like eighty-five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Actually, mentioned this on the very first episode of this podcast when I was just talking about my initial childhood hand-me-down collection. Sure. My first version of Live 2 only had sides 3 and 4. For mm, some reason, side 1 and 2 were missing. Mm, yeah, one, which, oh, so you had a hand Yeah, whichever cousin... Oh, you didn't have the... Whichever cousin gave it to me, there was there was no... no one side, disc. Yeah, he, there was no side 1, side 2. I have a similar... So for I many think, years, I had I think three I didn't have the second LP for a while when I was a kid. Because oh. the studio tracks were very kind of like... Later on in life, I was like, oh... Other than Rocket Ride, there's other songs. Like I yeah. remember, like you I remember, guys like to hang out as kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completed the collection. <laughs> yeah, like when my brother, when my, when my brother finally he got a version of Live Two later on in the '80s, I was like, oh, finally, I could hear the whole entire friggin' thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. So, all right, well, let's get into the favorite live tracks that we discussed before, and the favorite track from the studio side four, and then we're gonna wrap up this show. Oh, 
was I Stole Your Love, Making Love, and Rocket Ride from Alive 2. And that is going to close out another roundtable discussion here about KISS. And we're going to come back with our next roundtable discussion where we're going to discuss all of 1978, which was Double Platinum, and the solo albums. So I want to thank you guys again. Thank for you, joining Pete. me here. Thank you for having us. For thank you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you all. And we'll see you all next time. Cheers. And until then, keep rocking in the USA. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, that is the best way to keep close. rocking in the USA. Keep rocking in the USA. Even though Germany was neat, there wasn't much to eat. Thank right. you. We're they gonna, went to England too. We went to England, went to England too, too, but there wasn't, there wasn't, much, wasn't to that much to do. So, all there is to do. Is rocking in the USA. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye-bye. That's funny. <laughs> that was part two of our KISS roundtable discussion here on the I Am Vinyl podcast, which I hope everybody enjoyed as much as I did in not only recording the show, but putting it all together these past few days. And once again, I just want to thank Joe Malazzo, Ron Valdez, and Mike Scandato for joining me for another recording session. And we have tentatively set sometime in March 2020 to get together to record part three of the KISS Roundtable discussions, which will cover the entire year of 1978 and the albums Double Platinum and the four individual solo albums from the end of 1978. And so once again, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the I Am Vinyl podcast, which I thank you all once again for tuning in. And as always, I encourage you all to please check out our other shows here at cnjradio.com, The Wrestling House Show, Rock Strikes 10, The Synaptic Empire, Talking Rock, and The Last Theater. So until next time, thank you so much once again for tuning in to the I Am Vinyl podcast, and I'll see you next time for my tribute to Neil Peart and Rush right here at cnjradio.com.